So Proverbs 29, verse 18, you know it. It says, simply, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. The Amplified puts it this way, where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. In other words, they have no guidance. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. Keeps the law of God. So this word imagine, we talked about this word imagine and how it's a faith word. We talked about how this word imagine is a God thought. All right, this word imagine is a Holy Spirit work. This is from the very heart of God. God has an imagination. And last week we talked about how this word imagine is a perseverance word, how things don't happen overnight, uh, but we must continue in the faith. Paul said, I fought the good fight. And so a fight means uh, not maybe necessarily just one punch. That's not much of a fight, is it? But he said, I fought the good fight of faith, and I continued on until the end. And so this, this word imagine, what I want to talk about today is how it's a vision word. It's a vision word. And vision means seeing into the future, seeing into the invisible realm, seeing into your future and your invisible realm, right? Vision is simply this. It's an act or power of seeing with the eyes of the heart, which in turn will cause anticipation, okay? It causes expectation when you fix your eyes on a future mark. I like to call it the big idea, all right? The dream, the personal mission. Come on, you need to have a dream. You need to understand that there is a great future for you. A person with a future uh, will always be looking forward. But I tell you this this morning, a person without a future will always be living their past. A person without a future will always be living their past. They'll always return to the past. And vision gives us future. Not just vision for the company, not just vision for the church, the universal church, but vision for you, your family, your life, you personally. You have to have a vision. That's why we get that recurring question from counselors and uh, social workers and uh, you know guidance counselors. Where do you see yourself in five years? I mean, it, it's a you know it sounds almost like a rhetorical question at some point, but really it's it's a, it's a good question. Where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in ten years? Where does uh, a better question for those of us who are here this morning is where does God see us in five years? God, where do you see me in ten years? Because that's where I want to see myself. He knows where you should be. It's great to believe in a dream when you can stand in life by a stormy stream. Come on. It's great to be able to believe in a dream. One of my favorite uh, leaders was Winston Churchill. I wasn't around when Winston Churchill uh, led Britain through World War II, but in my readings, he was so inspirational, so inspirational. Uh, when the men were out there fighting, he would say, this is their finest hour. Not because they're winning necessarily, not because they're so greater, uh, such a greater force than the enemy, but because they're fighting, because they're doing it, and they need to be inspired. And I want to tell you this morning that God is saying, this is your finest hour, no matter what you're going through. I don't care what the enemy is throwing at you. It, it was interesting, and that's what came to mind. 
when I was uh, in the hospital this past week and the social worker came in and started talking to me about depression. You know, after an event like this, people tend to get depressed and uh, they just go into a depressive mode. And I was thinking, you know what? This is my finest hour. This is my finest hour. This is the greatest opportunity to overcome the enemy. How can we overcome if nothing is ever thrown in our, our path, right? And so this is the finest hour. And I also want you to know this morning that it's never too late for vision. It doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, there's a lot that goes into vision. When I talk about vision, I'm talking about your future, and everyone here has a future. I don't care if you're 90 years old, you're still living, you're still breathing, and you have a future. There's a purpose that God has you here. If God, if your purpose runs out for being here, God would take you out of here. Come on. As long as you're here, you still have a purpose. You still have a future, okay? And so we need to understand that. We need to know that. I think a lot of times people who commit suicide or people who give up on life, it's because they don't understand that they have a future. Their future looks bleak. They don't, uh, all, they, all they're doing is looking at what happened in the past and they're applying that to the future. But we need to understand that there is a God future for you. There is a God future for me. And God sees something much different than we see in our lives. You have to have a vision. In Acts 26, 19, the Bible says, Therefore King Agrippa said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, these things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. We, we must understand that what to us, what God is going to do is something to him that he's already done. You understand God is already there in the future waiting for us to catch up. He's already plowed the way. He's already moved obstacles out of the way. He's already given us the strength to overcome everything that would come in our path and in our way. Everything that would hinder us, God's already given us the strength to overcome it. And so once we understand that, then we wouldn't have a problem. And so sometimes people were saying, well, yeah, I know what you're saying, Brother Mike, and that all sounds good, and I kind of already know all that stuff. Well, uh, you know, I don't want to come against you or make you upset, but if all of us already know all that stuff, why do we still have problems? Why do we still get offended, right? Why do we get depressed, right? And, uh, but we do. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fact of life. I mean, those things come against us. And uh, so we must strive more to understand vision, to understand we have a God future. Stop just quoting Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says God has a hope and a future for you and start believing it, okay? There's a point where you go from quoting to believing. Don't just quote it because it's a cliche. Don't just quote it because everybody else says Jeremiah 29, 11. It seems a cool thing to do. It's a meme on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever it is, or it's a plaque in somebody's office. Don't just quote it because of that. Forget all of that. Believe it in your heart that God doesn't mean evil toward you, but he has a hope and a future for you and for me. God has it. And it has nothing to do with what you've been through in the past. It has nothing to do with how you've messed up, how you've failed, what other people have said to you or said about you. It has nothing to do with any of those things because God's future was there before any of that ever happened. He told Jeremiah that I knew you 
before I formed you in the womb. And I would tell you and dare to say that he's saying that to every last one of us. He knew us before he formed us in the womb. And therefore, his future, his God vision for us was already laid out before someone told you you're not going to be any good. Before someone told you that you're not going to be anybody. Before anyone ever offended you, God already had your future laid out. Amen? And so, that, and so we must have a revelation. Why? Because where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. That's why you must have revelation. You must have revelation. Now, we can't be people with little vision. We can't be people with, because God doesn't have little vision. You think when God created the universe, he just had a little vision? It was just like, well, let me just make a few stars and let's just kind of see what happens. Oh, and by chance, there were a billion galaxies that formed out of nowhere. And he's like, oh, wow, this is great. That's a pleasant surprise. No, no, no. God knew that. He was able to see. He had an imagination. And if God has an imagination, so should you. If God dreams in his mind, so should you. So should you. In Luke 17, 5 and 6, the apostles said to the Lord, they said, increase our faith. Jesus, increase our faith. Jesus said, if you, you know this, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted to, into the sea, and it would obey you. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, I don't need to increase your faith. All you, just the faith, I've already given you what you need. You have a vision. You have a hope. You have a future. Uh, even if it's dire right now. Even if uh, things don't look so good, even if you're in debt, even if your relationships are not where you want them to be, even if you're on your job and you just don't see a future on this job, I don't see where I can go, I, I, there's nowhere else to go on this job, or whatever it might be in your life, wherever you may be, God already knows that you have a future and he's already laid it out for you because we're talking about God. I mean, if you were talking about me telling you that you have a future, I could understand you be, might be a little skeptical. If you were talking about your husband or your wife or one of your friends or someone in your family or, uh, you know, a politician especially, <laughs> I could understand you might be a little skeptical, uh, you know, of some of those folks. Uh, but we're not talking about any of those people. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the one that has the name that is above every name. Come on, somebody. All right. And if he says, listen, you already have all the faith you need. And if you have the faith of a mustard seed, come on, you can say to this tree, be pulled up by the roots. Come on, any obstacle in your path, you can move it by faith, by faith. People who have a small mind and small faith for their future, they have no vision. Come on. Uh, and, and you won't survive. You'll always be looking backward. You'll be going forward, but you'll be looking backward. You'll look back. And you want to say, well, how am I going to get through this situation? Well, let's look back. Let's look back. And I understand that there are things in our past that we can go by. God brought, it, brought us through it before. He'll bring us through it again. I understand that. But Jesus also said what? A person with their hand to the plow, looking backward, is not fit. He just didn't say that's not a good thing. He said, you're not fit. I don't want you in the kingdom of heaven. That's what he's saying. That's pretty uh, upfront, isn't it? That's pretty in your face. I don't want you on my team if you're going to have your hand to the plow and you're looking backward. I don't want you on my team. I, I don't. No, I want people on my team that are going to believe in the vision that I put out there and they're going to look forward and not backward. 
Now the question is, are you on his team this morning? Come on. I don't mean just have you said the words to get into heaven. That's a beautiful thing because now you know you're going to heaven. But are you on his team this morning? I was so proud of my wife this past Wednesday. Uh, she spoke to a group of college students up at Ball State. And um, I went up there with her for a little moral support, you know, and to kind of take some pictures and, uh, of her. And uh, she, she spoke to, to all these students, you know, this room uh, filled with students and, and young people. And um, she just talked to them about how do you know that you're saved? How do you know that you're going to heaven? You'd be surprised at the amount of people, not just young people either, that don't have that assurance that they're going to heaven. And uh, she spoke to them about that. And you know, young people are young people. And they just kind of sat and, and looked and was like, okay, yeah, you know, sounds good. And we thought, okay, well, hopefully they get it. You know, hopefully they get it. Uh, but as soon as the session was over, I'm telling you, she had a line. <laughs> people were just asking her questions and additional questions. And guys were coming up to me and asking me, well, what if this happens? Well, what if you're saved, but then you mess up? Do you have to go back and get resaved? And, you know, you just get all of these uh, questions. And um, I, was, I was so proud of just the job that she did speaking to the young people. And, but I now believe also that God wants us to now get to the next level of, okay, first understand that you are saved. Understand that you are going to heaven. But guess what? Now there's a life to live. I'm not talking about the life when you get to heaven. Yeah, we can, when we all get to heaven, what a wonderful day it will be. When we all get to heaven, we'll sing and shout the victory. Guess what? Uh, when we're here right now, we can sing and shout the victory. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven. I'm not coming again. I like the song, but I'm telling you, you don't have to wait till you get to heaven. You can start singing and shouting the victory right now because if you're saved, you are an eternal being. You've all, you're already there. All you have to do is wait till that glorious day when you shed this flesh. Come on, but you're already an eternal being. And God wants you to live your best life now. Now, he wants you to live your best life now. Not only does he want you to live it, but he's given you all the provision that you need to live it. He's given you everything you need. God is, what did Paul say? God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He's given it. He's given, given. He's given it to us already, right? So don't have a small mind about the vision that God has given you. Don't say, yeah, it, it kind of sounds good, but I don't want to do that much. I'll just do this much. No, 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 no. Do everything that God has set out. Because what you're doing is you're looking at your own ability. And God says, I don't, no, 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 don't look at your ability. <laughs> because if I went by your ability, we might not get very far. Come on. But, but go by the ability that I'm putting in you. Henry Ford uh, said this. He said, I'm looking for a lot of men with an infinite capacity for not knowing what can't be done. Come on. In other words, I don't want to hear uh, how it can't be done. I know I think I've, we've brought this up, uh, you know, in the past sometimes in our leadership meetings. And, um, and I've heard it in other meetings, too. And uh, it's one of those things where we go into a meeting and we want to get something done. We have a vision for something. And then for the next 15 minutes, all you hear are all the ways that it can't be done. And it's like, well, OK, that's great. <laughs> I don't want to hear about how it can't be done. What can we do to get it done? And so our mindset then is when God gives you that vision, it's not a matter of can it be done. It's just how do you want to do it, Lord? You know, how do you want to do it? Will it take 10 years? Okay, then let's go. Well, here, here's our journey. 
Let's, let's go in. Will it take five years? Is it going to be next week? Is it going to be Monday? Well, fine, Lord. Uh, that's all I need to know from you, God, is how you want to do it and what do you want me to do. Now I'm on the journey, and let's just get on that journey and go there. Because the longer you sit in one place, uh, the longer you'll be in that place. I know that's not a big revelation, but some of us need to hear that. <laughs> the longer you sit in one place, the longer you'll be in that place. I remember hearing this quote about Walt Disney soon after the completion of Disney World. Someone said, isn't it too bad that Walt Disney didn't live to see this, right? Because he died before it was complete. Uh, Mike Vance, who was a creator, creative director of Disney Studios, he replied and said, he did see it. That's why it's here. You know, he saw it. That's why it's here. How many of us can see it? How many of us take time to see our future? Or do you do like I've done so many times, I get caught up in the uh, rigors of uh, daily life, uh, which could be part of what kind of brought on what happened with me. You know, you just get in the rigors of daily life and, uh, you know, you're, you're going over and you kind of get stressed out about finances and your relationship and, you know, the church and your marriage or your job or whatever it might be. And that's all you, all you see is what's next. How do I pay the, I got to pay the bill today, so how do I do that today? That's, that's as far as I'm going and that's all I see. And when, when that's all you see, uh, it's not that you don't have to take care of those things. Of course we do. Uh, but you, you know what? Many of you, unless you're a young person in high school, but if you're out in the world and you've been working and you've been going to school and you've been paying bills, you know how to do it. Stop worrying about it. You know how to do it. You can do it. And you've seen God do it before. So don't look back. You know you can do it. All right. I know it seems impossible, but stop worrying about it. You know you can do it. All right. Now let's look at the vision that God has given us. Let's start looking at the future. What has God laid out? What it, what's out there? God, that, let that be your prayer. We pray too small sometimes. You know, we pray for what's right around us. God, you know, help me uh, today. Help me just get through the day because I'm going up the rough side of the mountain. You know, Lord, just help me get over. Prop me up on every leaning side, Lord. You know, and our, our, our vision, our prayers need to be changed. Lord, show me. Show me what's out there and show me how to get there. I know I might not get there tomorrow, but Lord, show me what you've equipped me with. Show me, show me, if I don't understand what's in my hand, show me what's in my hand. Show me the gifts that you have given me and help me, oh God, to act on it, Lord, so I can help further the kingdom because that's what he wants. God has such a bigger picture than we do. I love what David said in Psalm 119. He said, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. I love your law. I love your ways. I love your word, David said. I don't like people who have a double mind. You know, people who uh, have a double mind are, yeah, we can do it, but I don't, I'm not really sure we can do it. We, we will do it, but we might do it. Well, make up your mind. Will you do it or will you might do it? You know, and God said he don't want people who might do it. I want people who are going to do it. I mean, I, I remember uh, the words of the great prophet Yoda when he said, <laughs> there is no try, just do. Come on. <laughs> let's just do let's go for it let's do it come on if God said it now you know if you're not sure if God said it then you're going to try and there's nothing wrong with that too so you do have to try there are things you just have to try see, see what will happen but listen you know you're saved and you know God give you a, a future you in, you're in school right now and you're on a path then you're on that path so don't stop trying just do it go for it go for it you can do this thing 
Uh, Paul said this, he said, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, Paul said, as a wise master builder, he said, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm telling you. Don't have a wrong vision. Look to God for your vision. Did I mention that? Look to God for your vision. Don't just say, oh, I'm just going to go and figure out, let me see what I might want to do and leave God out of it. Too many of us do that too. We go and figure out what we want to do. What do you want to be when you grow up? Where are you going to college for? And we figure all that out. Then we go back and say, now God, here's what I'm going to do. Bless what I'm doing. And God says, well, I mean, I understand that sounds kind of nice, but I'm not going to bless it because it's not what I wanted you to do. It's not what I have for you. And it's not what's going to make you happy. You think it is right now, but it's not because you see temporarily. For now, you see through a glass darkly. Only then will we see face to face. Now we must pray and get revelation. Let, don't have a wrong vision. Let it be God's vision for you. Also, there are people with a vague vision. You know what? We need to pray for clarity. I remember in 1 Samuel, you remember about uh, Eli and Samuel, and, and, and Eli ministered to the Lord, and uh, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Samuel, and he, he called him. But Eli was laying down, and it said his eyes had begun to grow dim, and he could not see. So the Lord spoke to Samuel. Why? Because he needs a seer. I don't need somebody who's laying down and can't hardly see. I need somebody who can see. I need somebody willing to open their eyes and see the vision and not blurry and not, uh, you know, clouded vision uh, because we allow so many things to come in. People with an absence of a clear vision become strangely loyal to daily acts of triviality. If you don't have a clear vision, you become loyal. Listen to me. You become loyal to acts that are just trivial, daily trivial things. I love to use this phrase that my grandfather told me, making a mountain out of a molehill. There are little things that you make real big. You know, people say, why are you so excited about all these little things? You make these little things real big in your life. It's because you don't have a clear vision or you have a vague vision. If you really saw what God had for you, you put some of this little stuff down. You, do, you put it in its place. Some of the petty things. People get on your nerves and, and that's all you want to talk about. One of the things, I probably should say this, on, on recording, but one of the things that I, I cannot stand, just me personally, is people that call and just complain for a half an hour about just little petty things. Well, I can't believe that he said that to me, and it's, I, after I've been so nice to him, and then he said that to me, and it's just, it's just not right. You know, and I say, well, you know, you just got to pray, and you got to forgive, and that's what God would want us to do, because you've said things before in your life that have gotten on people's nerves, and, uh, you know, so we just, we just forgive and we move on, okay? Okay. But I really just can't believe that he would say that. I mean, why would he say that to me? I mean, after all that I did, <laughs> I know I'm the pastor, I can't, but, you know, <laughs> But we get caught up in those things when we have vague vision. Understand this. I thought about this. Mountain climbers don't start at the bottom of a mountain and work their way up like you think they do. You know what a mountain climber does? Mountain climbers look and they see the top of the mountain and they work their way backward and then they begin their journey. But they look to the end first. They look to the top of the mountain way out there. They know they're not going to get there by the end of the day. But they plan it all out based on what they see at the end. 
They just don't start. There's just a mountain there, so let's just start and see how far we get. No, I'm looking to the end. Why? Because that's where I'm going. That's where I want to get. And some of us need to look out. We need to pray and say, Lord, show me out there. Show me the vision. Show me the top of the mountain. Where am I going? Where is our family going? Where is our church going? Where are we going? Where am I going? I want to see that now. Let's start on the journey. Come on. With a clear vision of what we can become in Christ, there is no ocean of difficulty too great. Without the clear vision, we rarely move beyond our current boundaries. You want to know why you get stuck sometimes? You go so far, then you have to go back. You go so far and you go back because you don't have clear vision. It's hard to move past your boundaries when you don't have a clear vision. There are also people who have someone else's vision. That's one of the worst things in the world because someone else did it and it worked for them. And then we say, okay, well, it worked for them. Let's do it over here. I know I can just speak from a pastor's perspective. We see it in churches all the time. You know, I go visit another church or go to some conference or see so-and-so on, on the YouTube or TV or whatever it is and say, wow, look at their church and how they do that. Uh, you know, that, that really works, so let's do that. You know, it's like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> is that really what God wants you to do? Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. First thing you need to do is pray and pray and see, God, what do you want for us? What do you want for me? What do you want for my family? What works for someone else's family doesn't work for our family necessarily. Okay? There are some uh, there are some 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 principles, right, of of love and life uh, that we all must follow. But everything in daily life doesn't work for everybody. Come on. So we must pray about those things. And so we don't want to have someone else's vision. We want to be people with God's vision. People with God's vision. Why? Because people with a spiritual transformation, they encounter God. And, and God has created a clear spiritual core. And now that spiritual core becomes your base of operation. When you have that clear vision from God, and when you have God's word in you, when you have a devotional a lifestyle, when you have a prayer life, that spiritual core becomes your base of operation. It's not something that you just go to when you need some help. Come on, folks. It's not something that you say, well, I better go to church this Sunday because I had a rough week, so I need to go fill up, right? All right, now, if you had a rough week and you need to go fill up, do that. Go to church. God understands it. But he wants to get you to the place where, you're, where you're, that you have that spiritual core. That's your base of operation. That's where everything else comes out of, no matter what you do. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're going to King's Island. <laughs> you have a spiritual core, and you're going to have a great time. Or I don't care whether you're going to Thanksgiving with your family. It doesn't matter. You could be going on vacation, not just going to church. Your spiritual core is who you become. It's who you are. It's that, at that core in the innermost of your being. You know, and, and God, listen, but we get, we, get so, we get so sidetracked because things come in our life. You know, the enemy throws something at you, something, uh, you know, some quasi uh, heart attack. <laughs> uh, you know, he throws something at you and tries to get you off your game. But you know, one of the things that I realized, God, I don't, I don't believe that God brings um, sickness and disease on us. I don't believe he puts it on us. And I can show you tons of scripture where God says, I, I don't do that. Okay. Uh, he, God's a healer, not one that brings sickness. It, we, we bring that. <laughs> Sin brought that, and we bring it. You know, sometimes you're eating too much fried chicken, you know. and So, uh, but, you know, we, we, but God, I don't believe that God brings sickness on us. But one of the things I do believe is this. Watch this now. God may allow Goliath 
in your life so that you can see the David that's inside you. Because some of us don't see and don't understand that there's a David in us. And so there are times when God will allow Goliath to be in your life so that you can discover the David that's already in you. God has put a, David, a warrior inside you. You may not feel it. You may not hear it. You may not even see it with your mind. But you have to believe it because we walk by faith. God has put a David in you. It's in you. Let me just finish up and throw this at you. Let me give you these five steps that make vision reality. Five steps that make vision reality. The first one is desire. You have to desire it. I can tell you about vision all day long. Your mom or dad can tell you about it. Your mentor or your friend can tell you, hey, have, have vision. They can tell you about that all day long. But if you have no desire in you to be better, come on, if you have no desire in you to see what God sees, uh, then it will never happen. So you must have a strong desire. The proof of your desire is by what you really pursue. What are you really pursuing in life? Are you, some of us don't realize it, but we're pursuing pettiness. Come on. Some of us are pursuing pettiness. You don't even realize it. You would say you're not, but it shows in your life. Come on. And so what, what are you pursuing? What are your future desires? And I would tell you this, don't let them die. Have a passion, first of all, for the Word of God. Because you'll never find greater vision, you'll never find greater satisfaction than, than in the Word of God. I, I know... Uh, I can say this honestly. I love, I love the Word of God. I mean, it is, it's, it's uh, interesting. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, there's drama. Come on. Uh, there's mystery in the Word of God. <laughs> there's surprises. There's surprise endings sometimes, you know. I mean, there's all of that. But I just absolutely love the Word of God. Because it is, and you say, why? Well, what differentiates it? I mean, I can read a book, I, and I love to read, too. I love to read uh, mystery books. I love John Grisham. I've read just about every John Grisham book, uh, right? Uh, I love some of those books, uh, you know. I love, I love stories that have a twist at the end, you know, like what was the movie with uh, I See Dead People years ago, you know. And uh, I loved it, you know. I don't like to know. Some people like to know. They like to guess. You know, they'll watch part of a movie or read part of a book and they'll guess what happens at the end. I don't like to do that. I'm the opposite. I'm weird. I like to not know. I, I specifically, in my mind, go, I don't want to know. You know, I just want to go on the journey. So at the end, I can go, what? I was dead? I can't even believe it. You know, I, I, I love that kind of thing. And so I, I love all those kind of books. And so, uh, but they don't affect me like the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God is like a two-edged sword. Come on, the Word of God is alive. The Word of God changed. There is nothing that fires me up like the Word of God. So have a desire for the Word of God. Uh, Jesus said this. He said, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray. You know Mark eleven twenty four. Come on. When you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And then the second thing that makes your vision a reality is visualization visualization, right? Sustaining an inner picture of what you see as your God-given potential. You, you see it. You say it. Say it to yourself. Even if other people don't say it to you, they can't see it. They may not be able to see it, but you see it. You see it in you. They can't see it. So have a visualization of, what, of the Word of God in you. 
And then I, what I call association. And this mean, this is just about your relationships. You, and you know this, you've heard it from, you know, folks who uh, are, you know, encouragers and, you know, people who talk, uh, you know, in that way. But really it comes from the word of God uh, that, you, that your associations are right. Your association, wholesome relationships that create momentum, not associating with faithless people. You know where this came from? I just said it earlier. Uh, I, you know, I kind of felt like Jeff, uh, you know, in the, in the, being there in the hospital room when, when you were going. I thought about you, Jeff. And, uh, you know, I didn't want anybody in there talking, uh, you know, uh, crazy. <laughs> I, I know what you're saying that happened, but uh, I don't want you to tell. Like the one social worker that came in and said, well, you know, people just get depressed after heart attack. I said, you ain't got to worry about me. I am not depressed. <laughs> I feel good. Da -da 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 -da. I feel good. James Brown, in case you didn't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not, I wasn't worried about it. And I, you know, and God, but this came from Jesus himself. You know, I don't, a, a man with his hand to the plow looking backward is not fit, right? I don't want you on my team. Don't come to my room if you're looking backward. Don't come. I, <laughs> thank you, Brother Forrest. Thank you. Don't come in my room if you're looking backward, what Jesus said. <laughs> right? He said, don't listen. I don't want you on my team. So associate yourself with people. I know we have friends and, you know, you're not just going to cut off every single person. I get that because you want to encourage people as well. But be careful about that. Associate yourself, uh, you know, with people. Don't just believe someone just because they're your friend. <laughs> you know, if they're not speaking the word of God. I want to tell you this. Number four, concentration. Concentrate. Focus on completing one worthwhile goal at a time. Right? See the end, but now let's take the first step. All right? Sometimes we do that. We see the end and you want to go right to the end. The God is saying, hold on, I'm showing you the end because I want you to be excited about where you're going. And so this way, when you get tripped up, when the enemy throws stuff at you, you'll understand, listen, I know where I'm going. So I see it as a setback. God already saw it there the whole time. It's just part of the journey. You know, if we could do that, can I just say this real quick? If we could do that, we, we call things setbacks. And that's okay because that's how we see it. That's how we perceive it as a setback. So I'll say that, a setback. But really, honestly, in the, in, the, in the depth of your spirit and your soul, understand this. If you're on a journey and you're going to where God has you going to, there's really no setbacks. I know it sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? But really, God knew it the whole time. It's just part of the journey. It's just part of the journey. And you can, that, if you think of it that way, you can keep going. You know, what? Oh, I thought I was going to be here. Oh, and this happened and that and now it's not going to be for another six months. Just part of the journey. If you say it's just part of the journey, you just keep on going. It's just part of the journey. Last thing is <laughs> the word that we're talking about, imagination. Imagination acts like photographs. It files and replays pictures. It creates and pre-plays pictures of things that you want to happen in the future. Imagine it. Imagine. You have to have an imagination. Listen to this. Great achievers usually have learned to replay the memories of their past triumphs and replay the pictures of their desired successes. Come on. David often replayed his past triumphs. Now, let me just differentiate so you won't think I'm talking out of both sides of my neck here. I'm not saying he was looking backward. There's a difference in looking backward. Think of looking backward like this. You driving on the highway in your car, those of you who drive. And... Uh, you know you got a mirror, so if you want to change lanes, you can just look in your mirror, or you can glance over your shoulder and change lanes if there's no car there. 
But what would happen if you're driving on the highway and you got your hand on the wheel and you're doing like this? And you say, oh, not the car's way back there. I think I can change now. Maybe I'll change lane. You better turn around. Right? What, what, what will looking backward do? It'll get you killed. Well, just think of that. That's why God doesn't want you in the kingdom if you're looking backwards. Stop looking backwards. But you can uh, remember. You can remember those successes that you had. I, I believe that very often uh, David uh, replayed his triumph over Goliath. And when he was going against the Philistines, and when he was going against, uh, you know, folks that were coming against him and wanted to kill him, I, I already killed the giant. I already killed the giant in the name of the Lord, so I know what I can do. The power, folks, of imagination, there is nothing like it. Whatever dominates your imagination today will be a reality in your life tomorrow. I'll say that one more time. Whatever dominates your imagination today will be a reality in your life tomorrow. Remember Genesis 11:6. Nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. That's what God came to the conclusion of. Nothing will be restrained. So guard your mind. Guard your imagination. Do like David and say, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Uh, read the book. Think on these things. Somebody wrote that, uh, you know. Think on these things. Think on those things that Paul talks about. Don't misuse or misdirect your imagination because it is important. Amen.